The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto friendly. They've all been well researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT21 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by ITO Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and SlayRx. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys, and I'm a college professor. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a mom to three girls, and I am a CPA. And my name is Eric Hall. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm a father to three teenagers and the husband to a beautiful wife, Melissa. 
Very cool. Glad y'all are here. We're actually meeting to record in the middle of the day as opposed to in the evening, which means that Michelle is all dressed up nicely and she found like a like a closet at her office and stuff like that. Um, and so if she feels a little bit more stressed or harried than she normally does, maybe that's why. I mean, your other option is I'm falling asleep because it's nine o'clock, so. <laughs> True. So so if she sounds more energetic and focused than she normally does, this is also why. <laughs> That's actually the only thing I thought you were going to say about the time and place of this, but you know, the other commentary works also. Well, I should also say, if you also sound relaxed and satisfied and happy, that's related to the Boston Marathon, which we're going to be talking about here in just a few minutes, which I'm super excited to talk about. Um, but let's go around the horn real quick. Michelle, what's up with you besides the whole Boston Marathon thing, which we're going to talk about here in a few minutes? Um, so I would definitely use the YouTube video from Lionel Sanders that recapped his race at, uh, in Utah last weekend. And um, it just goes through all of it. And I thought his commentary was great. And it was 30 minutes and I watched every minute of it and I don't really do YouTube videos. I do some of the athlete channels, but I think I really liked at the end when, uh, you know, these guys come in five seconds apart after 70.3 miles and they're both laying on the ground crying. And I think it just kind of uh, represents the heart that goes into sport. Uh, we just don't see it all the time. So these guys usually cross these finish lines and rip the tape and uh, you just don't get to see a lot of the emotion. I think it, maybe not as much emotion from the male athletes as the female, not to say that it doesn't exist. Um, but yeah, I thought that was worth watching. I know I sent it to you and Brandon. I know you watched it. Mm -hmm. Did Brandon watch it? I guess we need to find that out. But anyway, so that's my round the horn. So yeah, Sprinkles, Charlie Holder had sent it to, or not sent it to me. He had posted on the Atlanta Triathlon Club uh, Facebook site a few days prior. And so I had seen it, but yeah. So yeah, the St. George 70.3, the North American 70.3 uh, championship was uh, last weekend uh, in St. George, Utah on a difficult course. Um, and it was and won by back. Lionel Sanders, but by only five seconds, the men's race was. The women's race was won by Daniela Reef, and it wasn't quite as close. But um, um, but they're going back there, aren't they? Is 70.3 Worlds there? Yeah, 70.3 Worlds are there. And so, so, so in some ways, it was a preview. And that's probably the reason why Daniela Reef did it, even though it was a North American championship and she's not a North sure. American. But um, but yeah, that's, that's where the championship is set to be later on this year. Um, and what so, you're saying is somebody sent you something important before I did. <laughs> I got Imagine it. I got that competition. I'm good. So, well, no. To 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 be clear, though, he didn't actually send it to me. He posted it on a Facebook page, and oh, so so okay. so you Thank still you. get credit for sending me sending it directly to me. But no, um, as as Michelle said, uh, uh, on his YouTube channel, Lionel Sanders took a lot of the video of the race and broke it down and talked through it and stuff like that. And it was cool to watch. He's known for being an emotional dude. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and so, yeah, that was, it was kind of cool to watch and fun to see. And there's lots of little details in there that made me think back to my triathlon in days. So, yeah. Very good. I something interesting about it was, you know, he talks about, I mean, it's kind of a water stop that gave him this small breakaway that he didn't even realize mm -hmm. and if we're going to, I know we'll segue there, but I mean, that's just like a few seconds and that's the difference between him winning that race and not. And uh, you just don't think about the small margins of time that, <laughs> determine a lot sometimes so yeah yeah and and half marathon or half iron man and and iron man races don't tend to be that close yeah they don't tend to be won by five seconds they don't tend to be won by a breakaway or, or a move that happens after the 12 mile mark 
Right. Um, and One so, person picked water and the other didn't. I mean, yeah. that's. Just, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, so, so I, I agree with you. It made for a very exciting race. Um, Eric, what's going on with you, man? Well, I'm, I'm running again and riding. Right. So that's nice. Uh, last <laughs> time we talked, I was, I was struggling to, to even like get out the door and walk with the dogs. I was just, uh, I wasn't feeling so well, but that has turned around, um, substantially, um, back to running. I've actually got a workout in under my belt. I've got a few rides in and I'm feeling pretty good. It's a, uh, it's good to be back in the running. Um, uh, you know, we, we talk about it all the time. You, you don't really know what you're missing until you miss it. Mm. <laughs> so you can't do it. And I, I was getting pretty stir crazy for a little while there, but at the same time, I, I knew, you know, I, I didn't even really want to run just because of how I felt. Um, but it's, it's really, really good to be back out there running. Um, awesome. yesterday I went out and did a little, it was supposed to be a six mile run, you know, eight minute pace, nice and nice and easy, just kind of shaking it out. And, ended up extending it to seven and a half and I was wearing my sketchers and at the end of the run, I had to name it. You know, I, I forgot how much I love these shoes because <laughs> it, it was just one of those runs, you know, like it wasn't perfect. It wasn't great. Um, but getting out there, uh, putting a pair of shoes I hadn't worn in a while and just remembering how, you know, how much fun it is even just to go out and do a, you know, a nice easy run. So yeah, it was awesome. Actually, I saw, I, I saw that on Strava and I was wondering what pair of shoes you were wearing. So, so good to know that it was, it was a pair of Skechers, um, given that I'm partial to Skechers. I'm the Skechers fan on the podcast. Um, so in Skechers, by the way, we should point out for all the gaudy designs, I got, I saw a pair of Skechers today, the Razor Excess, which is actually a decent looking pair of shoes. So it's only taken what, like seven years, but Skechers actually has finally figured out how to make a pair of shoes look good in addition to feel good. So kudos to, uh, to the folks over at Skechers. <laughs> Eric and I are both Googling the razor excess. <laughs> well, the problem with it though, and, and this You're is- right. That's like a normal looking shoe. And it looks nice, right? Doesn't have like big print, like Speed Elite written down the side, such as my Speed Elites do. Um, but, um, but, but the, the problem I have with it, of course, is the problem that I, I, I swear I have with several other brands right now. And that's that Skechers has now fallen into the habit of putting the word razor in every single pair of shoes that they make. And so you have the razor plus and the razor excess and the razor. Da, 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 da. Um, and so you never know exactly which one it is that you're getting. Um, same way that Nike puts fly in every single pair of their shoes now. Um, this is my uh, problem with ordering another pair of Reeboks is that every single time I go to the website, I have to first search the order history right. for the ones that I write because right. everything is a float ride, blah, blah, blah. Right. I never know which one it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, it, I, I, it drives me insane. I don't get it. Um, and I'm not a marketing guy. And I suppose that, that razor is super popular. Like I have a pair of go run razor threes. That's my 5k and 10k racing flat that I really, really like a lot. And I think they're super unique. Um, and folks tend to like them a lot. And so I guess they're trying to capitalize on that. Um, you know, trying to, 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 uh, leverage those positive associations that people have with the, with the Skechers razors, but uh, Lord, just some other name would be nice. Um, and every brand's doing it. It's not just them. It's not just Nike. It's it's New Balance does it, and and even Puma does it. Uh, <laughs> very good. Um, 
Um, speaking of, of other similar things, or I don't guess it's really similar at all. Speaking of round the horn type stuff, I wanted to share. Uh, so I've, I've talked a couple of times about this book that I've been reading and it's a, it's a heavy book. It's a dense book. Um, there's a lot of information in it, um, uh, called exercised by Daniel Ferguson, who's a Harvard anthropologist. Um, and he's talking about, um, why it is that we exercise and what, um, insights we can gain into training and exercise and life and aging and all sorts of other stuff. Um, if you look at it through the lens of anthropology. Um, and so in other words, looking at, at the way that we were, um, prior to the advent of civilization, basically, um, and using that to inform some of our reflections on our drive to train and race and things like that. And he's focused very heavily specifically on running, um, which I think is one of the reasons why I actually like the book a lot. Um, but that's also, of course, in part because running is the oldest of all of our exercises or, or sports. But anyway, um, he uh, was making the argument the other night that I thought was super interesting. Um, and he's talked about throughout the book how the Tarahumara or, or the Hadza or all of these different hunter-gatherer societies, um, they're known for being these great runners and for doing running as part of their uh, persistence hunting or doing running as part of their ceremonies but none of them ever train. Um, and in fact, they do the opposite of training when they're not actually um, running for the sake of hunting or running for the sake of, of uh, ceremony or celebration. Um, they mostly lay around and try and conserve as many calories as they possibly can because they don't have a whole lot of calories in their lives. And so um, he's like, how can they actually do all of these amazing running feats if they never actually train? So this week, I got to the section of the book where he essentially makes the argument that he believes the way that they train is by dancing. Because in a lot of these different groups, a lot of these hunter-gatherer societies, running is optional um, or it's infrequent. But dancing is both frequent and it's obligatory. Um, and so he makes the argument that, that dancing is their primary way of training for running. And I feel totally validated because I have been saying for three decades that when I was in college, one of the reasons why I had such a big breakthrough my junior and senior year is because I started consistently dancing for hours on end on Wednesday nights. <laughs> I and my friends would go to Have a Nice Day Cafe and we would turn it out. And it, I've been saying that for years and, and everybody's like, okay. Um, but no, he argues, Harvard anthropologist, Dr. Daniel Ferguson argues that in fact, um, uh, that, that this is, is a, a major part of why these famous runners are able to do what they're able to do. So Eric, did you go dancing you know, with George back in the day? <laughs> you know, George, having, having heard That's you. That's a good point. I had forgotten that I have somebody from college who's on the podcast with me. He, so, so Eric can tell you just, just what a life of the party I was back in the day. So I'm not even going to touch that. <laughs> that was a very pregnant pause. Um, yeah, I'm not going to touch that. And it wasn't me coming off a of mute. I, I was off a of mute already. But I'm going to say this, you know, George, having two PhDs, present this, you know, I'm not a dancer, um, but having two PhDs present this uh, provides me absolutely no impetus to, 
take that on board and actually try that. <laughs> I'm going to stick to training by running because that's what I like to do. And it happens to make me faster. Fair, fair. And, so Michelle, and, and, what, and what are your I, thoughts I should also on say, I should also, that's my plan as well, but, but, but good point. Um, it's, it, I also feel very validated because one of my wife's favorite things to make fun of me about is she says that whenever I dance, it looks like running. She's like, your dancing looks like running, like you're running in place in order to dance. Like you don't have any sort of movement that, that looks like a dance. It all looks like running. And, and so now, I would stop again, once again, I'm completely validated because, because one reason why I've been able to be moderately successful at this defining endeavor in my life is because of my awesome and dedicated dancing skills. So yes, is there Michelle. any video more popular than the video that Casey posted last year? <laughs> Just answer the question. It's a yes or no question. Oh, probably not. Okay. Yeah. There is nothing in that video that looks either like somebody who danced once a week in college and has dancing skills or like you're running. You're talking. You're, you're talking specifically about the one from from the LA Mar the from Disneyland, right? Right. Right. Sure. About Disneyland. The time we yep. Yeah, Everybody. Yeah. Every single person knows what video I'm talking about. So, so I don't know, you know, we have a wide array of listeners, some of whom aren't necessarily my friends on Facebook, so they might not be know, know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, so so let's be clear, though. What are you doing I was very constrained space-wise in that video. Like there, there was a rope up and there was a parade going on and we were, there was a lot of people around us. And so I had to stay in one spot. I couldn't like spread out across the dance floor like I normally do. Okay. Um, so, so usually I, I cover a good 10 square feet when, 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 when I'm tearing things up. Um, but, you know, as I said, that has always been my contention that, that, that this was a big part of why I was able to have breakthroughs in college um, because of the amount of dancing I was doing. Um, I, like I said, feel totally validated. And by the way, I think just a minute ago, I said his name was Daniel Ferguson. His name is Daniel Lieberman. Um, and since I'm going to be like, talking about this argument for the next two to three decades. I probably need to make sure I get his name right. Um, so yeah, Dr. Daniel Lieberman, Harvard anthropologist. Yeah. So speaking of running and racing and all that sort of thing, um, which of the, of the, of the runs and races are we going to talk about first today? Are we going to talk about the virtual okay. Eugene marathon slash world marathon major global challenge? Or are we going to talk about the Boston yeah. marathon? No, we're going to talk about the 241 solo marathon that you threw down on Columns Drive last weekend. That was a 242. So, but, but thank 242. you. So, so, uh, thank you, Michelle. I feel like there was a grudging respect in the way that you just said that. <laughs> you definitely, I definitely saw 241 somewhere. You saw 241 on Strava, um, because oh. Strava sometimes puts what's called moving time rather than okay. total time. Um, and, and so, Elapsed time, total time is what matters, particularly because there was a couple of times in those so first 10 you miles or so water. where I had to stop and pick up a bottle. Got it. Um, okay. And so, so stopping to pick up a bottle, Strava pauses it for an instant. Um, and of course, my watch did, didn't pause it at all. Um, and so there was a there was a little bit of a difference there between the moving time and the actual total elapsed time. So yeah, the elapsed time is 242.18, which... I was pretty psyched about because as I told, I think both of y'all, and then I think maybe one other person, I think Morgan Van Gorder had texted me individually and said, okay, what is your actual goal? What do you think you, you're going to yeah. run this weekend? You said anything under 250 would be a good I, day. I had said anything under 250 is going to be a good day. And I, and honestly, I kind of felt like that was a stretch. I didn't really think that I was going to, 
I, I, I figured that just based on what I ran at Skidaway Island Marathon, based on what I ran at the Atlanta Marathon a couple of months ago, um, those two marathons I kind of did on short notice, I was thinking that that would be pretty good. Um, so we can see you, you got out there and you started pretty conservatively and then you kind of just threw it down and just held it. So what did, like, what happened? Okay. So, so here's the funny thing. So I, uh, there was lots of rules about, uh, there, there were very few rules about the, the virtual Eugene marathon. There was a lot of rules about the world marathon major global challenge. Um, and so it kind of, I guess, I probably should go back real quick and just say kind of what that was. So don't forget, of course, that the, the virtual Eugene marathon was supposed, or the Eugene marathon was supposed to be on April 24th. I signed up for that like in December thinking maybe it might happen. And, and then they decided to go to virtual in like February, which is a decision that I totally support. Um, and, and as soon as they announced that, um, they said, okay, the window is going to be basically like the 22nd all the way to May 3rd. And so you have this big wide window in which you can do your virtual marathon, which is good. Um, and so I also noticed, or I also saw that Abbott and Wanda, the world marathon majors people, um, were offering what they were calling the global challenge. Uh, marathon, which was just a virtual marathon type thing on May 1st and 2nd. And they said, if you run a marathon race or marathon distance on May 1st or 2nd, um, it doesn't matter if it's part of another organized race. It doesn't matter where you do it. Um, as long as you run 26.2 miles outside, according to a couple of other guidelines I have, we will count that as a virtual marathon and we will be giving away 100 slots to the world marathon majors 2022 age group championship. Um, and so that to me felt like a good opportunity to run the virtual marathon in Eugene, Eugene, but have that count towards the world marathon major global championship, potentially therefore getting me a ticket into the world marathon major age group championship in 2022. So that's, that's what it was about. And by the way, if you go through the results, everybody in those results is over the age of 40. <laughs> um, because clearly, like a lot of people saw that and were thinking the same thing. And then because the age group championships are only for people over the age of 40. And so I ended up ultimately having the 13th fastest time. And 12 of the 12 people in front of me, 11 of them were masters. And five of them were in my age group, uh, wow. 45 to 49. Um, so, I mean, that's clearly what everybody had in mind. So anyway, um, but yeah, I went out there and, and they said, okay, if you run on a loop, it has to be more than a half a mile, which Eric, I figured you would appreciate, um, because for GPS accuracy, they say you can't run on a track, for example, because tracks tend to be inaccurate because you're turning so much, as you pointed out, you know, as you've pointed out before, you're literally turning half the time that you're on a track. And so they said, if you're going yep. to do it, it has to be more than half a mile. Um, and I knew I wanted to do a loop course cause I knew I needed to kind of set up aid stations and that sort of thing. Um, and so I, uh, went out to Collins drive. Um, and I told the folks that, that I know that live kind of in that general area. Um, and I told some training partners I have and that sort of thing, uh, that I was going to be going out there and doing, I was gonna be starting right around eight o'clock, got my parents to come over and look out for my sons since, uh, my, my wife is going to be going out of town. Um, and then got out there and just hit start on the watch. Now I set, I set, no, I'm finally getting to your question here, Michelle. Um, <laughs> I, I, I set it up as a workout on the watch 
Um, I set it up as a 26, as, as a workout with no warm up, no cool down, no rest, one repeat of 26.22 miles. And which watch? So it would take the split I, I, for I, you. I wore the Coros. Um, you did and, that so it would take the split for you, right? So yeah, yeah, I, I did it so it would take the split for me. And so the watch would just stop when I got to the marathon distance and I would have a nice clean file um, to upload. Um, and, and so I start running and literally about a hundred yards into it, I was like, am I set up to actually take laps? Like, am I set up to take lap splits on the watch to see what it is? And I, I didn't know whether I was or not, um, using workout mode. Can I, will I in fact be able to see what each individual mile split is? And I didn't know. And I didn't want to mess with the watch because I didn't want to potentially mess with the file any and screw it up and therefore not have it count. Right. Yeah. So I get yep. to about the mile mark and no lap. Nothing. Yeah. And so, so, so <laughs> I get to the 26.2 mile lap. <laughs> yeah. And so, so, so I get to the two mile mark and I kind of look at it and I was like, I cannot be staring at my watch the entire time here. Um, and, and that's just not going to work. So I happened to look again at about six. I happened to look again at 10. I looked at halfway. I looked at 20 and that was it. That was the only time throughout the course of the entire race that I looked at my watch. I had no idea the sort of pace that I was running. I had no really idea what my individual mile splits were or anything else. But if you really wanted to know your pace, you could have just used the lines on columns. So, um, yeah, there's so many lines on columns that are so weird, though. You never know exactly which ones are which or which ones go together. I've had that experience before on columns where I'm like, oh, OK, there's a line here. I'm going to see how long it takes me to get to the next line. And I look at the next line. I'm like, OK, clearly those two lines don't go together. Yeah, um, I actually do think that is the problem now because they had the same set of lines for for years. And only once uh, Atlanta Track Club Elite started like they re-sprayed them a few years ago, which mm -hmm. makes me think they took a wheel out there and they're probably more accurate. But mm -hmm. there are places where there's the marker and it's like there's just a know, bunch of extra lines apart and you don't know exactly which one it is. Yeah. yeah. And plus, I mean, measuring measuring down to that granular level, like seeing what pace I was running for a quarter mile, just I don't I just yeah. don't want to see that. Um, but I was I was actually concerned about it initially because you know, getting into the flow state, getting into like being in the moment when you're actually running a race of that distance, I think is super important. Um, and one way I tend to stay in the flow state is I tend to look at the mile split. Okay. That was a 620. Good. Okay. That was a 625. Good. You know, that, that keeps me from getting too hung up. And I knew that if I looked at my watch with the distance and the elapsed time over and over and over again, I was going to be too hung up on, okay, what is my total time and how far have I run? Like it wasn't going to keep me in the moment. Um, and so I just had to resolve just to not really ever look at it. Um, and so I didn't. Um, Would you say you ran by feel mostly? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that was always going to be the plan. Um, and, and frankly, honestly, had I been looking at my splits and, and had I seen like in the first 10 miles, a few splits like going under 620 and then between 10 and 20, seeing a lot of splits going under 610, I, I, I probably would have freaked out a little bit because I don't I didn't think I was in that kind of shape. Um, so right about 10 miles, I was joined by my friend Tiago, who's a great triathlete, great runner. Um, and, and he and I just kind of start running together. We talked for the first lap that we ran together. Um, so still just kind of keeping it chill and talking in that second lap we ran together. So right there around 14, 15 miles when, when marathon started hurt a little bit, I was like, all right, I can't really talk that much anymore, dude. And so he yeah. told me about the time when he was, uh, uh, about his career as a, as a race walker. 
um, which was interesting. Um, he was uh, he was second in the NAIA race walk on three different occasions at nationals. That's pretty cool. I thought so too. So he did the three K and the five K. They have that in the NAIA. They don't have it in the NCAA. Um, and uh, and so he told me about that. And then he was planning to stop after two laps with me. But then he went ahead and ran a third lap with me. And so he basically ended up running with me all the way from mile 10 to about mile 25. Yeah, um, he looked pretty tired when you peeled off when you made that. <laughs> he, looked really uh, he looked great to me the whole time, man. Um, and it was it was super helpful, like and not only to have somebody run with, but he was like handing up bottles to me and stuff. And so because he it didn't matter like his mileage and stuff. So he would just stop at the little bucket right before I would turn around, he'd just stop yeah. and he'd pull a bottle out and he'd hand it to me and I just hand it back to him. And so I didn't have to stop ever after that first 10 miles, um, except just to do a 360 degree turn or 180 degree turn, um, 360 degree turn. That'd be pretty funny. Um, but so running uh, 10 minutes faster than where you actually thought your fitness was. Do you attribute that to all your Zwift racing? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I do think it's, it is funny. I mean, I, I, I've run plenty, um, but what I was missing in my training leading up to this race was the real marathon specific stuff. I've done a couple of long runs over the course of the last couple of months. Not a lot. I've done a couple of two hour runs. Um, I've done a lot of runs in the, the neighborhood of an hour. And then I've done a lot of short, fast stuff, um, like a lot of short, fast races, a lot of short, fast workouts, things like that. And so what I was really missing was just the really long marathon specific stuff, but I, I, I'm plenty fit. Um, and then I've done a lot of bike, a lot of hard bike workouts and a lot of hard bike races that last about an hour. Um, and so I was just really fit. Um, and, and could I run a little bit faster if I had done more marathon specific stuff? Yeah, actually, I think I could have, but I was surprised and, and, and very pleasantly surprised that I ended up being able to run as well as I did, given how little marathon specific stuff I've actually done. Um, so yeah, cross the finish line, 242. I was kind of blown away. Um, and what's the aftermath? Not the so. hangover on Sunday. Like, <laughs> so, so the aftermath in terms of where I finished? No, I mean, like, how does your body feel? Like, um, you so uh, it feels like I ran a marathon. I mean, and, and again, I, I realized that's a really stupid thing to say. Um, but, but, um, well, because not really. this you did these other two marathons and you felt okay after. So yeah, this, this one felt like, uh, this one felt more like I traditionally have felt after a big target marathon, um, which I think is interesting for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is that if you're more in shape, you can actually push yourself harder. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, and, and I, I'm just fitter. And so I was able to go deeper to the well, like my average heart rate was higher in, in, in this race, obviously my pace was higher. Um, um, but I just, I had more capacity in this one because I'm fitter than I was back in February and early March when I did those other two races. Um, so yeah, so, so I ended up being pretty sore. I took, uh, three days to completely off rode my bike for the first time yesterday. I'm going to run today. And then I'm still committed to all of these short-term things. And so I actually have a relay race tomorrow, a three by two K relay race tomorrow that I'm doing with my, my Zwift teammates. Um, and then I have another race to do on the bike next Tuesday. And so I'm kind of in this weird place where I'm sort of recovering. Um, but I'm also committed to these, these races that I still have to do. So George, I looked at the, the Strava data on this mm -hmm. and I'm kind of like, I'm really blown away because 
we talked really briefly over text about you not looking at your watch and you said you'd explain why later. I thought it was a plan thing. I thought you were going to go out and just try to run by feel, which you said that that was a plan, but I think you still would have looked at your watch every time it buzzed yeah, or at sure. least every other mile or something like that. And, and I went and looked at this. This looks like you were doing a, you know, Zwift workout and it <laughs> said, I'm going to run 608 miles or something like that. And the treadmill was forcing you to do that because you're pacing I mean, you know, Strava is not perfect. You're going to, you know, you're going to fluctuate a little bit. And then you've got the turn, you know, like, so you have the turn built into a few of these miles. Your pacing is just amazing. You know, once you've got through those first three miles, which I thought that, I think that that's a strategy everybody should, should try. You know, 643 was your first mile, 643, 644. And once you got through the next two miles of 620s, you were below 620 for every one of them and you were below 610 for most of them yeah and I, but yeah I was the surprised consistency by that. there was phenomenal and what you know you said you ran by feel and this is what really tells me that that's that worked for you on this day whether it would always work or not i don't know but you look at your heart rate data you had like a straight ramp mm -hmm. on your heart rate and i would assume your max heart rate is somewhere in the mid 180s it's a little bit high. It's, is that it's right? Probably, it's probably right about 190. Oh, okay. Almost 190. Mm -hmm. You had like a flat ramp of your heart rate from the beginning to the end of this race. Mm -hmm. And it never, so it never like swooped up, which means that you, you, you've overcooked it. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, it never leveled out, which means you're just not pushing hard enough. Like mm -hmm. this, this is like a, a perfect ramp. And you know, I think for those who don't know where you were running columns drive, it's flat as pancake. Mm -hmm. You had to throw in your 180 degree turns. What there's six of them, five of them. There was more than that. There was one, of two, 12. like 12. Yeah. Yeah. There's like 12. Cause you got to do a mumble. I'm just looking at one end. Cause I was just counting the number of turns, but you throw that in there and kind of in the mix, you ran a phenomenal race. And I guess what I would say is I think you're faster. I think if, if if your max heart rate is in the 190 range you probably could have run just a little bit faster mm -hmm. but i think it would have been tricky and I, I think it could have been like a you know you're right on the edge you were just below the edge on this run and i think you you killed it i mean this is thanks this buddy is a phenomenal effort i yeah i, 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 no, I, was, I runs, was psyched you know? yeah this is not what i expected yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll, and I'll tell you, Michelle and I were messaging during this. You had a lot of people watching this <laughs> from afar, like getting text messages and stuff, or just wondering what was going on. And uh, was it Lauren that sent the video, Michelle? Who sent the video? It was out? Aaron. Yeah, I actually don't know okay. if the video. George had started a text with like eight of us, and all of a sudden, at some point, when it was obvious he was running, small videos of him making the turns at the end of columns drive started coming and I just took them and copied and pasted them to you basically. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you on one of those, I was like, Oh man, this, this doesn't look good. Like you just didn't, you didn't look well, good. And I think Michelle came back and said, it was, yeah. And I think the two of us agreed. He didn't look so good. So when I saw the result, George, I was absolutely blown away. And Sorry. part of that is probably because 
you you just have such a horrid running style and it probably is linked to your dancing because if you'll notice oh, in one nice. of your statements earlier did you say you were a good dancer you just said you danced a lot um <laughs> yeah i had to bring that back in that was but perfect. no I, george george just a phenomenal run i i'm i'm blown away i am absolutely thanks, blown buddy. away um thanks buddy. You know, i think if somebody that. had I think if somebody had seen his first three miles, they would have been like, he's not going to do it. So thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. No, and I I definitely, like, I I felt good throughout. But, yeah, I watched those videos, too. And I'm like, ooh, I am not a pretty runner. Like, like, I'm just not, (laughs) you know. And and in my defense, I never have been. Like, like when I was at, when I was PRing, when I was running my PRs at age 20 and 21, I was not a pretty runner then. I just never have been. Um, And and so, so, yeah. Um, do you you feel like your downstep is heavy? Like that's the way that I can describe what it looks like watching you run in those videos. Like it looks like there's, there's so much heavy footed. Yeah. Do you feel that when you run? Like, do you, I don't, I don't even though, and I, but I would, and I would also say that, that one of the things that stood out to me when I watched the videos and this is, and, and, and y'all may agree with me on this is I looked at it and I was like, my body doesn't look like I'm fit. Well, you're hunched over. So, but I, I always kind of tend to hunch a little bit. I always have, but I, but I felt like I didn't look, I didn't, I, like, I looked like I was overweight. Um, and I, I, I didn't look like I was at marathon fitness, like as I was looking at it too. And I that might be just cause I was I right next to Tiago, um, who's tiny, <laughs> yeah. um, but, um, but, 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 I, but I, that, that's one thing that stood out to me as well. Um, but no, Eric, you said, could I have gone faster? Um, so I, I ended up having a three minute negative split. Um, I, yeah. I, I ran one twenty two thirty for the first half, which in and of itself, I was like, Hey, sweet. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, on pace for a two forty five here. And my goal was you know, under two fifty. I had plenty of buffer. Um, and then we ended up chopping another three minutes off of that. Um, and so, yeah, I had no idea. And, and I, and again, 20 miles was the last time I looked at my watch. So I had no idea, um, uh, like whether I was completely falling apart in that last 10 K or whether I was holding together, I knew I was pushing hard. Um, but, but yeah, I just had no idea. Um, but, um, but yeah, um, Did I should plan mention to run those first three miles. So easy. I, I not, not totally. Um, or I, I guess I, I ran the first three miles about what I thought they were going to run. I just didn't expect to speed up a whole lot after that. Like I, I, okay. I ran the first one at six forty something. I kind of thought they were all going to be around six forty something. Um, you know, or six thirty something, um, because that because that's the way yeah. I ran the Atlanta Motor Speedway race. That's the way I ran Skidaway, and so that's I kind of thought that that this was going to be sort of similar. And that's the way that when I've when I've uh, when I've run other marathons, when I ran Philadelphia or when I ran New York City, I mean, I pretty much just kind of hit race pace in that first mile. Um, and and there's not a lot of warm up. I usually have to walk around a lot of these big city marathons and stuff. Um, but, but, and that's the warm up. Um, but this one, I actually did more warming up on the run into the, into the race, I think, um, than, than, than I normally would. But you know, what's funny. You just said something that's, and I had to look at it. You said, uh, when you came through, you know, 13.1, you were like, Hey, I'm really happy with that. Right. <laughs> your fastest, your fastest mile was mile 14 and you ran sub six. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah. No I got turn. kind of, I got kind there, of a charge no turn in it. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's, that's and then you averaged less than 610 for the rest. I think you had one mile over 610, but I'll bet right. dollars to donuts. Yeah, it had a turn in it. Right. Right. No, yeah, we went so, we went through we went through the 20 mile mark and I looked at the my watch at the 20 mile mark and realized that we had run the last 10 at, at, in 101. And I was like, what? Yeah. Like, like if you would have said to me yeah. literally like that morning, like at 759, right before I started, hey George, you think you could run uh 10 miles in 61 minutes? I would have been like, no. Um, and I did it and I did it between 10 and 20. Um, yeah, so I just I mean, again. this is like, this is my favorite thing in running. When, when you run a race and it goes so much better than you expect and you're like, Holy, this is my favorite thing in running. Like all my most memorable races have been exactly this, that, that I cross the finish line and I'm like, wow, that was so much better. I thought it was going to be that's so much faster. I thought I could run. And, and yeah. And so, so, so I, I am now at this place where I'm like spring marathon season was totally a success. And I'm like looking forward to the fall. And, and, and I'm sorry, like last night I was putting all the Blue Ridge relay runs on my training peaks calendar, like putting specifically where they're going to be. Um, you know, don't know if Berlin's going to happen or not. They announced this week that the Oktoberfest is canceled in Germany. And so that doesn't bode very well for Berlin, but I did go through and I picked out a backup race. Um, and so one or way or another. How many marathons are on your calendar for the fall of this year? Just one, just Berlin. Um, okay. but, but I, but I've picked out a backup race if Berlin doesn't happen in October. And, and then I that? also of course have Tokyo in 2022 in March of 2022. So I have to kind of take that into account as well, which is deferred from 2020. And is your backup CIM? So it's not the CIM is too close to Tokyo. Too close. Yeah. It's too close. So, the backup so, is <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you what the backup is, <laughs> at least not on the podcast. Like when we go off the air in here in just a minute, I'll tell you what the backup is. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so, all right. Um, thanks. Thanks for, for, for indulging me so much to talk about this, this fun marathon, which turned out to be, you know, like I said, uh, uh, so great. I should also give just one more shout out to, to my friend Tiago, um, for running with me so much there. Uh, Morgan came out and ran with me a little bit in the, in the last mile, which was fun. Um, sprinkles, Charlie Holder, who we've had on the podcast before came out and ran with me a couple of times there, including in the last mile, which was cool. Um, and then as, um, as Michelle mentioned there, uh, there were several people who, who came out and cheered for me, um, which I appreciated um, and which made it kind of feel, you know, like a like a regular old thing. Um, but uh, our friend Aaron, who has been on the podcast before talking about Dopey, was out there. She brought her son, Alex, which was fun. Um, uh, Katie Ferguson, who's been on the podcast before, um, was out there. Uh, she just kind of did a quick drive by. Um, uh, Kat Gerd, um, friend of the podcast, even though we haven't had Kat on before, uh, was out there. Um, and then Lauren Fogarty um, was out there at the very beginning, out there doing her run, um, who, of course, we've talked about on the podcast. And we've had, had on the podcast on a couple of occasions, too. So thanks to all of them for uh, for the support there. And, of course, thanks to both of you. Um, speaking of supporting people in marathons. What's your next marathon, Michelle? It looks like it might be Boston. Yes, it will. Hey. That was a whole uh, hey. hissy fit of waiting for that email to come in, but you know. So take us through yesterday, Michelle. Go ahead and take us through. Was it yesterday? It was, was it yesterday the day before? It was the day before. Um, so I have a friend, I've mentioned her before. She has an inside contact at the BAA and, you know, she's never been wrong in any information that she's given me and 
she basically said they're starting to send out acceptance emails, you know, in a few minutes. I don't know the threshold, but, um, you know, keep a look on your inbox. And within a few minutes, they had released a official announcement that, sorry, the Boston Athletic Association had, you know, put out an official press release that anybody who was seven minutes, 47 seconds or more under the qualifying standard was accepted to run the in-person race uh, in October. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually pretty good at numbers. <laughs> so in the, the moment, CBA. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do the math. On, like I knew that I couldn't do the math on my time in the, and is it over? Is it under it? Did I make it in by three? So <laughs> I don't know why I thought George could help do the math, but I, I um, did help do the math. <laughs> right. I mean, I think you more like calmed down the hysteria that was on the phone. Um, I don't think that I did. I think I tried to. <laughs> I think you tried to. I think you did a really good job of trying to calm you down, but well, you I don't just, think you really, it really worked. You weren't going fast enough. I could recap some of it. <laughs> I was like, so is 750, is it, is it in, is it out, is it under, is it over? So yeah, so, so to be, so to be clear, be clear, Michelle had a buffer of seven minutes and 50 seconds. She ran 332.50 at CIM Whoa. in 2019, Whoa. or 332.10, 332.10, um, which is seven minutes and 50 seconds um, uh, under the qualifying standard of 344, her age group. Um, and then it comes out, it comes out and says, anybody who ran 747 below the standard or faster is in. So Michelle's in, but but Michelle is also part of multiple groups who were saying, no, you missed it by three seconds. And I'm like, that's not true. I got in by three seconds. Let me find somebody who understands the math better than I guess the rest of us. <laughs> but, uh, so of all the people, you know, Michelle, who could you ask to back up your math? How many maybe engineers the, maybe the do engineer? you know, Michelle? <laughs> Maybe, maybe the mechanical engineer yes. who's also in the podcast. The problem is that I called George and not Eric, it seems like. <laughs> no, but George even gave you the right answer. And the conversation was, where's my email? It only says pending, George. And he's like, relax, you got in. That's, but where's my email? Oh, my payment method must have failed. So then you emailed them about your payment method. <laughs> And then we got off on this tangent about how you can't keep track of things. Okay. Shit, Eric. Okay. First of all, that, those text messages came in after the phone call to George. Okay. So I was already like, I already was, I already had accepted the fact that I had gotten in. Also, and anybody who actually knows me knows that I, I get many, many replacement American Express cards per year. I don't, I don't. It's just a thing. You didn't even use your But this time, instead of losing my American Express, I lost the Bank of America debit card, which is way scarier because American Express will just be like, oh, we'll credit these purchases that might be fraud until, you know, you get a new card. But if you have a direct link to your bank account, which I wouldn't recommend, but when they only will accept Visa or MasterCard, that's what I use. So yes, in between the time that I had registered on April 20th and two days ago, I lost that card. I canceled it and I was convinced that I wasn't going to get the email because the pet the payment method would fail. Okay. I had a little hissy fit. Everybody survived. So, we're going to well, Boston. The, 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 we're and, going, absolutely. And, and you got in. And you, you, and you, you got, got in. in. No. So, so the funny, th- the funny thing about all of it to me, and it's, it's only mildly funny at the time, but, but, but it's very funny in retrospect and everybody does this, Michelle. 
Um, and but but anybody who knows you would certainly attest that you do this is that that you have people you know and you trust saying you're in you're good and you have a random person on the internet says 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 no you're not you didn't make it you miss it by three seconds and and you're like this person's a, and we're like why are you going to listen to that person <laughs> over not only your own intelligence but also <laughs> the people you know and trust <laughs> um yeah so i had uh, booked a hotel room just in case once they had announced the dates because if you kind of get in on that first 15 minute cusp, you get a normal hotel rate instead of like $150 a night room that's $600 by the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, and I think I, I looked actually at flights and it was literally 14,000 sky miles and then 20,000. And then literally I went back like a few hours later and it's 40,000. So wow. you know what? It's fine. I booked the flight. Um, now it's just a matter of, I think kind of regrouping. I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled because I was in a place where I feel like I have some baseline of fitness, but I'm not exactly sure what to do with it. Um, signing up for a 5k, which I did. So like, just see like stupid decisions like that, like that I don't really want to do, but I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to try that. So now this is like very concrete. (laughs) So I can look at, uh, you know, work backwards from this October 11th date uh, and just kind of plan out the rest of the year. It feels like I know there's a lot of talk about well, mostly speculation about the fact that Adidas releases the jackets at 3 a.m. tonight. And is it worth buying it? <laughs> is it even going to actually happen in person? And I'm, you know, unlike Berlin, Jordan, your situation, I feel pretty confident that by October, um, you know, I would assume we'll see something like kind of what Atlanta Track Club is doing, where the people that work the race, it would be mandated that they're vaccinated. And hopefully a large percentage of the field uh, will also be vaccinated. They've already said uh, it's going to be a rolling start. So there's not the three phases and then multiple start waves all kind of backed into each other. There's no athletes village. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how the bus is out to Hopkinton work and um, what the requirements are for that and whether there even is an expo. And I think I'm kind of at the point where this feels like the right uh, way to go there and really try to run fast because even one of the biggest challenges in that race weekend is wanting to like do it all and take it all in, like walk to the races on Saturday morning and go to every single meetup and everything is walking distance and there's something going on 24 seven. But if you run yourself crazy Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you don't have much left for Monday. So there's a part of me that feels like even if, you know, Boston takes all these COVID precautions and you can't be out and about the way that we would on a regular year. Like that's even better for me because it's like, okay, I'll just stay in my hotel room and I'll be ready to run on Monday. So interesting point. I definitely am looking at this. Um, like I want to go fast. So it's not just some going, uh, but I'm, I think more than anything, I'm just so happy to have a goal, like something that I mm-hmm. feel like I can put my heart into. Um, yeah. It kind of makes not that f- getting up and running early isn't worth it. I mean, I think to some extent it's always worth it, but it's way better when there's, you know, some type of like finality to whatever the next cycle looks like. Um, yeah, I agree with you on that. And and that's, I, I felt that way. I remember we talked about it last year um, when, when the Berlin or when the, uh, when the Blue Ridge relay was actually going to happen last year. And, and uh, Eric and I were of course both on the Blue Ridge relay team on the same Blue Ridge relay team. And, and I remember saying last year on the podcast, it feels different actually having an event that you know is going to happen 
that feels different. Um, and, and doing virtual things, which I've done plenty of them, um, they can bridge the gap for me, but, but I'm looking forward to in-person stuff again. Um, and I think it's a much different feeling and much different orientation you have towards it. Um, so very cool. I'm excited. Cool. I mean, I think I'm there's, just, yeah, go ahead. I'm just excited. I'm excited that you have something to work towards. Me too. Um, I'm as excited about you having something to work towards and you feeling like good about that. Cause kind of floating along looking for that thing to to, to work towards um and I, I think it's cool i think it, it gives you some focus um and and i think as much as i'm excited about george's uh run i'm excited about not not even what you're gonna get at boston but the fact that you're you're on the path to boston i think it's, awesome. it's absolutely awesome yeah I'm, I'm i'm excited you have a race to run and i'm and i'm excited that that race particularly is the boston marathon because I know that means a lot to you. And I know, and I'm excited about that for you. So congratulations. Um, three second qualifiers. It's a qualifier. <laughs> I mean, so. you know, it's the thing that Lionel Sanders said in the video, like I, in that moment where he's talking about, you know, he grabs water, at the 12 mile mark. And I didn't, and that made the race to me. This is, I ran this with a friend from Boulder and her husband took like a picture of us. We were running CIM in the middle somewhere and she kind of held back for a minute and stopped so that he could get a good picture. And I sent her a message mm -hmm. and I was like, you know, if I had stopped in that moment with you to yeah. take that picture, like he wanted us to together, like, cause I'm way out far in the picture. I'm like, that could have been the difference between mm -hmm. I'm staying home in October and you know, you're going to beat yeah. town. <laughs> so yeah. I'm really glad I didn't stop for that picture. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's a crazy margin to, yeah. I'm super thankful. Yeah. It, it, it four seconds and she would not have qualified right george right she wouldn't have qualified yeah. for boston you were you were in three thirty. you have 10. to run a qualifying yeah. time you yeah. have to run a qualifying time to qualify for yeah. boston right yeah you ran you ran three thirty two ten. if you were to run three thirty two fourteen, you wouldn't be going to boston in october and yeah well it's a good thing tough. those race results are kind of signed and sealed huh yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, I'm excited for you. Um, so there were 9,000 people who didn't get in, um, which is three times the number of people who didn't get in last year. Um, and it's and it's far and away the largest number of, of applicants they've had to turn away um, uh, since or over the course of the past decade. Um, and so, so yeah, more than 9,000 people that didn't actually get in. 747 is far and away the largest uh, gap. We expected it to be a larger gap because of the fact that there's a wider window and the fact that people were aging up and the fact that um, a lot of people probably want to do the race here um, in this, this unique fall marathon here. Um, and so, so it was not as big as we thought it was going to be, at least as big as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be about nine minutes, but still, it's, it's pretty huge. Um, seven minutes and 47 seconds there. Um, yeah. I think so. the other thing was they, they led us to believe that of the 20,000 people that they were going to take, you know, a certain percentage was definitive to, uh, go to qualifiers and they were really the time qualifiers. Mm -hmm. What? To time, yeah, qualifiers. time qualifiers. And they, they even came in significantly less than that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. So, so normally about 80% of the people who run are time qualifiers and the, the remainder are charity runners and invited runners and things like that. And this year it looks like it's going to be about 72%. 73. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah. I'm so um, about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so there, there's going to be some complaining about that. I'm sure if there hasn't, I'm sure there has been already. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah. Um, so that's a lot different as well. A lot different as well. Um, Michelle, I'm excited to embark on this Boston journey with you once again. It's going to be fun. Yeah. I mean, I've been kind of waiting to 
do this for a hot minute. So <laughs> I know, I know your qualifier was in December of 2019. Just kind of, <laughs> no, 2018. And so, oh my God, you're right. It was, it was right. December of 2018. And, but, and, and it took us some work to get to that qualifier as well. Yeah. That's a whole other podcast. Um, yeah. but just on the record, I'm not interested in like a 16 week buildup. So just take that into account. <laughs> what, what kind of buildup are you interested in? Cause it's about 22 weeks away, right? 12 max. So, all right. I don't that's, need more than that. There's that's, too good. Much that's, like- that, that's, that, that's good. That's what I had in mind. I was worried you were going to say the opposite. I was worried you were going to say 20. Oh, and, I was gonna, oh. and we were going to have to have that conversation. <laughs> Actually, I mean, yeah, this is, good, this is going to take me through October. And then I got, I got stuff to do in January also. So, but. You all know. right. <laughs> all right. Um, all right, everybody, this was fun. A, a quick two podcasts or two, two topic podcast here, but they're both really good topics. Um, um, next week, it's going to be all about you, Eric. <laughs> Actually, next week, it's going to be all about Wilkerson Given, uh, who's coming on the podcast. And we're going to be talking about uh, his life as a professional runner and the, the business that he has started. So we'll look forward to that as well. Um, but then the week after that, Eric, all about you, man. <laughs> No need. So, so uh, thanks for being here, y'all. I appreciate it. See you guys. Same to you, George. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter, at itlcoaching, on Facebook, at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's SlayRx.com, Facebook.com slash here for SlayRx. That's the number four, SlayRx. Twitter, at official SlayRx. And Instagram, here for SlayRx, the number four, SlayRx. Discount code PLEASANT21. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. See you next time.